session with Dr. Farid Holakou. Good evening and welcome to In Session with Dr. Farid Hulakwi. I'm your host, Dr. Farid Hulakwi, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, so you can call in with any questions related to clinical psychology, including any emotional or psychological issues, parenting issues, and relationship issues as well. You can also follow me on Twitter or Instagram, or like my page on Facebook to get updates on the show, or suggest topics for the program. And the shows are uploaded at the end of each week to my SoundCloud page and free podcast on iTunes. The studio number again is 310-441-0555. Before I do the summary for the book from this past week, I want to announce the book for this week, which is The Cyber Effect by Mary Aiken. The Cyber Effect, an expert in cyber psychology, explains how technology is shaping our children, our behavior, and our values, and what we can do about it. And I just started the book um, briefly last night and today, and I think it's a really good one. I hope people will read it because um, Mary Aiken, Dr. Mary Aiken, is an expert in cyber psychology and, and how technology and things like the internet are affecting us. Um, also, our kids, teenagers, and relationships, and the book addresses all of that. And uh, it's a new book. I think it either came out this year or last year, so it's pretty up-to-date. So I was happy to come across this. I hope you'll join me in reading The Cyber Effect by Mary Aiken. But let's come to the book of the week for this past week, which was Daring Greatly by Brené Brown. Daring Greatly. Uh, Brené Brown's very popular uh, author and thinker, um, and her TED Talk is one of the top two, I think, the one on the power of vulnerability. It's a really good one. I think over 25 million people have seen it uh, when I was checking that. So it's worth checking that out too, but also reading this book, and she has a few other ones as well. But what she's known for, at least what I know her for, is for what she's talked about related to things like vulnerability and shame. And really, vulnerability is the word that I always remember when I think of her and her talks and um, how well she describes them. And she's someone who studied it for um, more than a decade now and really has a lot of important insights that uh, I think could be helpful for anyone to hear. But let me talk about this book. So the title, Daring Greatly, she actually um, took from a speech by Theodore Roosevelt, which is uh, titled Citizen in a Republic, and sometimes it's called The Man in the Arena Speech, which he gave on April 23rd, 1910, uh, at the Sorbonne in Paris, France. So here's the passage she includes in the book. It is not the critic who counts, not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles, or where the doer of deeds could have done better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, because there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself in a worthy cause? 
who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement, and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly. So uh, it's a very powerful speech, and that passage is very powerful, and keeping in mind that whatever you want to do, anything we are trying to do, and it doesn't have to be something huge, but you always have the chance of failure, you have the chance of it not going well, and yes, there could be critics or people that put you down or um, criticize what you are doing, but it's the doers who count. Those are the people who matter. You have to be doing something. And actually, I was just talking about uh, the internet and in the book Cyber Effect for this week and how easy it's become for people to just comment and write horrible things about people in any music video you see, any speech you see. Almost always you're going to find some really negative, harsh comments. But really the speech is reminding us we can't be swayed by those people. We have to dare greatly to try to do something. Um, and she chose that as the title of the book because looking at things like vulnerability, we must dare greatly to be vulnerable. It takes some courage to do that. And, um, you know, what is vulnerability? That could be a question, but really what we find is people tend to think of vulnerability as weakness. When someone says vulnerable, or when we think of it in, in a more tactical way, like in a war or in some kind of strategy, we think of where we're exposed or where we, we can be attacked uh, or hurt. And in that way, it's a sign of weakness, or people think of it as that. But as she explained, when we're talking about vulnerability, it is not a weakness. This is one of the myths we have, that to show ourselves, to show who we are, means that we can become taken advantage of or something can happen to hurt us. But this is not the case. To be vulnerable means to do something without really knowing the result, to potentially expose ourselves to get hurt, to take a chance on something, to start something new, to start a new relationship where you don't know what can happen or what will happen. You are just taking that risk. Vulnerability comes in all different shapes and sizes, and it could be different for different people. What might be challenging for you won't necessarily uh, be a vulnerable feeling for me and vice versa. She includes a list of things that people wrote when she asked them about what makes them feel vulnerable or when they felt vulnerable. It includes things like calling a friend whose child just died, the first date after my divorce, saying I love you first and not knowing if I'm going to be loved back, getting fired, falling in love, trying something new, getting pregnant after three miscarriages, waiting for the biopsy to come back, and on and on. And so we can see that we all face these situations where we're asked to be vulnerable. And it's not weak to be vulnerable. It actually often takes courage and a risk to put ourselves out there and to face things. And actually, if we're not willing to be vulnerable, we often have to avoid responsibility, challenges, and things in our life just to remain comfortable. So being vulnerable most definitely is going to feel uncomfortable, but is the only way that we can actually grow and expand and experience many of the good things that we can in our lives or that we can experience as humans. And she talks about it in her speech that actually when we numb our emotions, although we tend to try to numb our feelings to not feel the bad ones, we can't just pick and choose what you numb. When you don't experience your life fully, 
you actually numb all the emotions, including joy and connection and pleasure and happiness. You basically shut yourself off. But to be vulnerable means that we open ourselves to live life fully. And as she puts it, some people live life wholeheartedly. That's how she describes people who live life from a place of vulnerability. Now, in order to live a wholehearted life um, and to risk being vulnerable frequently, one factor that she found was very important for all of this was a feeling of worthiness. Those who felt that they should be loved and have a feeling of belonging, they felt worthy of being loved and feeling that they should belong, a feeling of belonging. And sometimes I'll talk about relationships and I might use the term self-esteem. And when we talk about psychology or psychological terms, often it's hard to know what we exactly mean. It is important to define it. But often what I'm talking about self-esteem, it is in this way what she's talking about worthiness, that feeling that I am worthy of love and respect and being cared for just by virtue of being me, not by any performance that I do or any actions that I take or being perfect, but just by being a human being, just by being me, I am worthy of love. And it makes sense that if we have this feeling of worthiness, it makes it easier for us to be vulnerable. I'm not as afraid to take risks because I don't think everything is on the line. I know that I'll still be lovable no matter what happens, if I succeed or if I fail, if I get rejected or if I get accepted if they don't give me the interview or if they give me the interview, no matter what, I'm going to still be worthy. I'm still lovable no matter what happens. And that's key. That feeling of worthiness is so important. Sometimes that's what I think of when I talk about self-esteem is that feeling of just having value just by being you, not by something you do or say, perform or be perfect, just by being you you are worthy of love. Now, she also talks about shame a lot in this book. Um, and shame, in a simple way of saying it, when we especially compare it to guilt, it's the feeling that I am bad, whereas guilt is I did something bad. But shame, when we talk about it, we can feel at an even deeper level, that feeling of being unlovable. And with it comes this feeling of disconnection because we're afraid that when people see that part of us, when they see who we are in that way, we will become unlovable, we'll become rejected, and that can feel even like death. Because socially, especially for our ancestors, being rejected would mean death. We needed people to survive. If you were rejected by your social group, you would actually suffer greatly. And actually, when we look at rejection, that emotional pain or that emotional pain of rejection looks the same as physical pain in your brain. So we see how linked it is. Maybe that's why we say things like feeling heartache or heartbreak. Um, feeling rejected can feel like physical pain. But when she talks about shame, she says there's a one, two, three about shame that she always um, talks about, whether she's giving a talk, an article, or a chapter about shame. And here they are. Shame. We all have it. Shame is universal and one of the most primitive human emotions that we experience. The only people who don't experience shame lack the capacity for empathy and human connection. Here's your choice. Fess up to experiencing shame or admit that you're a sociopath. Two, we're all afraid to talk about shame. And three, the less we talk about shame, the more control it has 
over our lives. So shame is something that we all experience at different times to varying degrees. It's something that we all will experience, but we can deal with it, and many of us do deal with it in, in different ways. If you feel that you're worthy, you're more likely to be okay with those experiences of shame that you have. You still might have them, but they won't knock you down as much. But if we don't have that feeling of worthiness, if we don't recognize that I'm okay even if I'm feeling this way right now, I'm okay even if I did something wrong or bad or made a mistake, I'm still lovable even if I did those things, then we can experience it and, and feel it a lot better. Now, the book is great and has a lot of um, material, but I won't obviously be able to cover it all. But I also think it's important when she talks about things like leadership and parenting uh, in relationship to these ideas of vulnerability and shame. And as she explains it, parenting is less about knowing the right parenting techniques, although it can be important to know them. In my opinion, I think it's good for us to study and understand some basics about parenting and child development. But what she talks about is what's more important than the techniques of how you parent is really how you live as a person, because that's going to teach your children much more than what you do as techniques. And I can very much agree with that, because when I see, even when people call in on the show or seeing clients in therapy, parents talking about their kids, very often they want to know, what's the right thing I do? Tell me the right words to say or the right punishment or consequences and specifically tell me what to do as if it's just about few actions that you take. But what I always feel is that what's most important is who you're being for your child, both in who, how you live and also the relationship you create with them. That's going to go much further than just saying the right thing or knowing what to do. Those actually, those things might not make a difference if the relationship is not there. I actually like a story she shared about her own daughter where her own daughter was late to school one day. Um, and because of that, she got in trouble in a minor way, but she had never really gotten in trouble and she was crying and she was sad. And to cheer her up, they let her know, you know, it's okay. You made a mistake. You're, you know, you're human. You were late this one time. It's not a big deal. And they even, they threw her a tardy party. So they threw a little party for her being late and try to make her feel, you know, that it was okay to make a mistake. It's not the end of the world. So it's not a bad thing that you made a mistake. And then she says the story of herself, just, I don't know if it was that week or a week later, it was Sunday and they were going to go to church and they were running late and herself, Brene Brown, was stressed out about being late. And I think her husband was running late or something was going on and she was saying something about, oh, it's supposed to start at, it starts at nine, we're not supposed to be there at 9.05 and she was getting all stressed out. And then there was her daughter there saying, you know, it was interesting because just a couple of days ago they were telling her it's okay for her not to be late, but now here was her mom being super stressed out about being late and being judged for it and all those negative things. And it made her realize I'm not really showing to my daughter the same thing I told to her. So her daughter actually said, we should throw a tardy party for you now. But the same thing she was saying to her, and that was true. Was if we want to show our kids something matters or something doesn't matter, what actually does matter is how we live, not just what we tell them. If we tell them it's good to be kind to people, but they see us being mean to people, well, what are we showing them? If we tell them it's not okay to lie and we get mad at them when they do it, but they see us take something from the grocery store and not pay for it, or we say, yeah, it's not a big deal. We don't have to do anything about it. What are we teaching our kids? And she gets really into that, not just as children, but also leaders. We see this in a lot of companies or um, corporations where the culture of the company doesn't promote things like being 
open and vulnerable and uh, allowing people to make mistakes. And because of that, it has these big effects on the output or what people do over the long term. Um, and also she talks about how in a company it's important to allow people to make mistakes, to create a culture where people feel like they won't be judged because that's the only way that creativity can thrive and people can be innovative is if there's this feeling that we can come up with something and even if it doesn't work out, it's okay. And we don't have to worry about being blamed or shamed for what we did. And there isn't this cutthroat feeling that everything we do is going to be under so much scrutiny that we're at risk of losing our job. So creating that culture is very important. And uh, the book is a great one. I actually do want to read the other ones she's written because she's uh, an expert on this very important topic of vulnerability. And as I've talked about many times before, if we don't become vulnerable, we don't get to connect with one another. If I don't show you my true self, you can't really connect with me and vice versa. And so often we feel like we have to hide ourselves because we won't be loved if we show ourselves when actually it's the opposite. When we show ourselves to those around us and those who are close to us and those who want to love us, they love us even more. So we have to take that risk of being vulnerable and to allow that closeness to develop. So a great book, uh, Daring Greatly by Brene Brown. Uh, and the book for this week, The Cyber Effect by Dr. Mary Aiken. All right, we've reached our first commercial break. Studio number 310-441-0555. You're listening to In Session with Dr. Fatty Delaqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go to a caller. Radio Hamra, you're on the air. Hi, Dr. Are you talking to me? Yes, I am. Thanks for calling. Sure. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I have a question about the situation that I'm at right now with my wife of okay. three years. So we got married three years ago. We knew each other before getting married for two years, and now we are in a situation that we basically started talking about separating and divorce and stuff like that, which mm -hmm. is very sad. But uh, mm -hmm. but uh, the reason that we are talk having these conversations about separation is that Basically, the only reason is that she wants to have a kid, and I just don't want to have a kid, and that's basically it. Hmm. And uh, other okay. than that, we are having a great time. We are having very good memories, very good time. Very, we go to trips. We are, we do everything that everybody else does. But after three years of being married, now everybody's started asking us that, "Hey, when are you guys gonna have kids?" And I'm like, we, I, "I never want to have a kid for whatever reason it has." It has to do with my childhood or whatever the background and, 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 and contributing reasons are. I just, I don't think I'm capable, at least for now, to be a parent. But she, basically, the, because of the biological clock, she's a little in a rush. And she's telling me that, A, if you think you're not going to have kids in two, three years, let's just get divorced and be done with it. So I'm just calling you to ask her opinion. Sure. Is it a good enough reason to break up a relationship like that well absolutely it can be i mean um we'll get into the details but you know can it be definitely we, we want to look at what's the situation for you and her um but my first response would be yes how old are you and how old is she i'm 32 she's 31 okay now when you guys were dating i'm hoping you guys talked about this issue of like having kids um oh. Absolutely. That's the funny part about it, because I knew it's something very peculiar about me, so I just wanted to be 
upfront and very obvious that I don't want to have a kid because that's a deal breaker for a lot of people. Yeah. And I told her in the first or second date, which is very awkward too. No, I think that's actually, (laughs) no, you know what? Let me tell you something, especially when you're dating at a, I mean, you guys started, you met around what, 27 or something like that. But you know, at, at that age, even, I think it's good to be upfront about what you're looking for and what you want because people, you know, it's better that than you date for a few months and you really start to have feelings and then you turn out you to want totally different things in your life and then sometimes people stay anyway. So anyway, I think that's exactly. good. I'm glad you had that talk. So on the second date, you told her, I don't, you said, I never want to have kids. I never want to have a kid. And she was like, okay, but we will talk about it. And I'm like, no, listen, mm. it's a very important thing that it might be a deal breaker for you. So I have to get it out. Yeah. I'm, I'm not capable of, like mentally, I don't see myself having a, having a kid. It might change 15 years down the road, but it's not going to change five years down the road. And she was fine with it. But now that I'm talking to her and I'm like, but I told you that I don't want to have a kid. Why didn't you tell me back then? She was. She tells me that I thought I can change your mind, which yeah. is just one of those classic uh, mistakes that people do. And they think yeah. that they can change the person that they're dating. Right. Yeah. And that's, I mean, I'll just make a point on that because you hear it so many times. Um, if first, the first what changes, I'll change their mind about wanting to get married, but then also I'll change their mind about wanting to have kids along with other kind of changes. I'll change him or her from being angry or I'll change them from being something. And we're not, you know, magicians to change people. And we should exactly. never, we should never date someone with the hopes that they do change or they will change. You want to find someone who is that rather than saying, I want to turn this person who's five foot six and make them six feet tall, find someone who's six feet tall and just, you know, be with them. You can't change them. But I, I think it's good that you are so upfront with her. And I think that's great. And I hope more people will be that way. And although it could end a relationship before it begins, it's better not to start one when people are on such different pages. Now, her response to me, I mean, at least maybe now you're saying it in hindsight, you heard it this way. It seems like even back then she was saying, well, let's talk about it later as if I think she was interested in you. She was liking you and she didn't want it to end. So she wanted to just say, "Okay, well, we'll look at this later on rather than facing the reality of it. But I'm, I'm I am still surprised, though. I'm glad you brought it up then. But then in this two years of dating, I'm sure it must have come up. Again, after the second date, right? Multiple times, doctor. I'm okay. telling you, multiple times. I talked to her mother, and her yeah. mother was like, it, it was like a family gathering, and it was like, she asked us, hey, where are you going to have those have the kids? And I'm like, it was like before getting married. We were fiance or something like that. And I, and she asked us, she's Persian, so of course, I mean, she's, she's by, by the way, she's like a multiracial, so she, her dad is American, but her mom is, uh, okay. is Persian. Mm-hmm. So she asked me, hey, when are you guys going to have kids? Like the Persian mom do, and I was like, hey, ma'am, I need to tell you that first, it's a personal choice, second, never. It's just, I we've already talked about it, never. Maybe 15 years down the road, I'm going to adopt a kid or something to that effect, but nothing from my own gene or from my own, you know, I'm not going to be biological father of anybody. And uh, and she was like, oh, no, that's a joke, I know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, it's not a joke. Mm-hmm. Like, I try to make it clear. And every time, in every gathering that it was brought up, I was clear, upfront, and very, very acerbic about it. Like, I just wanted to make sure that there is no joke or there is no vague, uh, fix, you know, there is no, there is no vague uh, right. You want to be very clear, it. yeah, so which clear. I think is good. It does seem like there was, you, you were facing a lot of resistance, though, even from her mom and maybe from her. It does seem like they're, they were hoping you were going to change, which, as I said, is not a good reason to, 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 to get married or a good plan. Um, 
we I do wonder about yourself because you're saying you're so against and uh, having a kid, and it is good I think for people to be aware of. Do I? I always tell people, don't just say I have to have a kid because now is the time. Really, you have to ask yourself, do I really want to be a parent and desire it strongly? Not just oh, it would be nice, or I don't think kids are bad, or I don't want to be alone. Yeah, or you really have to desire it, and that that's what I always tell people. So. Um, we'll get to that maybe in a bit. So how did this come up with her? How did she reveal to you, okay, no, I really do want a kid. It was that recent or has she been telling you that now for a while? Well, it's been brought up multiple times during the last probably six months. But uh, when it came to the head was a couple of weeks ago that basically she sat me down and she was like, hey, kids or no kids? And I'm like, no kids. She goes, okay, so we need to think about it. And I'm like, okay, yeah, let's think about it. What do you mean? She was like, I, I want to have a kid. And that was the watershed moment for me. Mm-hmm. And it was like, I was very agitated. Not agitated in an angry way, but I was like flabbergasted. And I'm like, yeah. what is going on? Because I thought we were clear about it. I knew like here and there she wanted to have a kid, but I thought she was just joking about it or something because, because I couldn't be any more clear. And she, she, she says it right now, too. Like, it's not just me saying it. She tells me that, yeah, you were 100% clear. There was no joke. There was no ambiguity about it. Mm-hmm. But I just thought, for whatever reason, you are going to change your mind, just like the way you change your mind from, to that thing and this thing and that thing. And I'm like, but that's not a day-to-day life decision. Right. It's, a, it's a lifetime decision. It's mm-hmm. a very big commitment. It's not like my choice of my car that I changed my opinion about. Right. No, I'm, what so I'm glad you. Yeah. Well, it doesn't seem like miscommunication. It seems like a, a lack. Uh, uh, to be honest, a purposeful lack of communication. Like she didn't want to let you know how strongly she wanted a kid, hoping you would change your mind. And then when she saw you weren't, she started to push it more. Did she express that that's really what she was doing? Like she knew from the beginning she wanted it this whole time, these five years that you guys have been together, and. Well, all those things that right now she tells me that back in the day when you were telling me that I don't want to have a kid, I thought, okay, I might not have want to have a kid too. And I'm and 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 now she is like, now I'm in the point that because she feels the pressure of the biological clock right now, mm-hmm. she wants to have two kids. And if she wants to have two kids, she has to start one of these days, right? Like yeah. she doesn't have that much time left. Sure. So. Uh, back in the day, just because the push hadn't come to the shop, she thought it's uh, it's basically open to decision. We will figure it out later or something like that. But now that like after five years, she's real. She has just realized how important this thing is, and uh, and basically she wants it. She wants it her way. Yeah, that's uh, that puts you guys in a tough spot. And you know, going back to your first question of is that reason enough to break up a marriage? Absolutely, it is. I can see. From your standpoint, you're like, there's nothing wrong with this marriage and with this life. Because you say, we enjoy each other, things are good, you guys seem, you're saying you guys get along. Um, but the thing is, for her, something really big is missing from this life. Something that maybe, in some ways, is the biggest thing. And that's, that's right. having kids and being, being a mom. So, you know, I, I can see from your side, it's like ruining something that's so good. But from her side, it's not so good. Now, did she really have a change of heart the way you described her on the second date it seems to me that she wanted to have kids she probably even talked to her mom and her mom was kind of testing you 
when you guys were still engaged exactly. uh, to see what you say to really say does he really mean it maybe you know they were they were trying to f test the waters but unfortunately even though the tests came back a certain way they didn't listen to that and i think that's unfortunate because i could understand you being upset being in this position because if you told me well i kind of made it seem like i might want it or i'm going to want them really soon then i'd be like well that was your fault too to, to say that that is right but you were but clear I'm telling you i yeah. promise there is no way for me to make no i'm taking you i'm taking you at like your word was, yeah yeah it was being it was being brought up brought up almost every week and it was almost a hundred percent well not on the fence not, yeah not, but that could have been your red flag you know it's not about blame but about thinking back if you're saying it came up every week then that tells me that probably she wasn't happy with your answer that is right, but 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 I couldn't change my answer. No, no, I'm that, not saying change that, your answer, but I think it, you know it would it, it, you know again hindsight's twenty twenty. But right. recognize yeah. that okay, if someone's bringing up something that often, they they can't be happy with my answer. You know, if someone says, "Do you want to have kids or do you want to do this?" and they say, "Okay, yes, I do," every week they're not going to check in and see. It seems to me it was clear she was trying that to see if you change your mind. So I mean, you know, you're you're we can look back in hindsight and things are very simple, but again, anyone who's listening who finds themselves in the same situation, if something keeps coming up, we got to think that the person either one is super anxious about that issue, but even probably more they're not happy about our answer and hoping that it'll change. So how about this? We're about at a commercial break and I want to talk to you a little bit more. So just hang on the line and we'll talk in a few minutes a little bit more about what's going on with you guys and also a little bit more about you. Um, and understanding sure, what you're going through. You. So just hang online and we'll talk in a few. All right, you're listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Delacqui. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Let's go back to our caller. Caller, are you there? Hi, Dr. Hello. Okay, so... Um, you're talking about yourself and your wife, and you guys are in a tough spot now where uh, she's saying she wants the kid. You've been saying since day one that you didn't want to have kids, and then now here you are uh, where you're 32, she's 31, and she wants to have children. Now, you were saying, again, is this enough to end something good? And it might be good right now, but I want you to know that if she wants a kid and you don't give her a kid she's going to resent you and be mad at you for the rest of your marriage. And it's not going to be good anymore. So as sad as that is, you're in a, you're in a bad spot, which is unfortunate. Again, I think you tried to be as open as you could. Maybe you could have seen the signs a little bit, but it's, you know, easier in hindsight, but you're in a tough spot because here you have a marriage. That's everything you want it to be in the sense that it seems like you really like her and you thought you guys were on the same page as far as not having kids and living your lives together. Um, but unfortunately, now that good marriage that you had is now changing because your wife wants something that you don't want to have. And of course, it's that biggest thing of having children. So I don't envy you at all. You're in a tough spot. Um, and Doctor, just so yes. you know, she's, she's here too. She's okay. Here. Okay. D does she want to talk to me? She can. Okay. Maybe let me talk to her for a second. Uh -huh. Hi. Hello. So were you listening to the first segment also? No, but he caught me up. Okay. All right. So um, as far as he explained it to me, I don't know if you just heard what I was saying, but that you want to have kids, he doesn't. And from what he said from day one, he let you know he didn't want to have kids. Is that right? That's right. And I thought it was something that would change with time. Um, yeah. I know a lot of couples go through this, and I thought it was something that would change um, 
because we love each other and we want to make each other happy. Sure. And I, I, you know, and a lot of people do, I think, unfortunately do that because hoping that the person is going to change is a very dangerous game or dangerous gamble to take because he let you know, you know, who he was and what he wanted. But nonetheless, we can't change that now. Um, and now we're in this tough spot. But he's saying basically you're at the point where you definitely want to have kids. And if he's not able to or does not want to give them to you, you think you guys should separate and, and divorce so you can move on. Right, right, exactly. It, it would be for the best for both of us to have the different lives that we are imagining because we're just not on the same page about these big life decisions. Yeah, um, which I think is important. I was telling him, I don't know if you heard that part, that you would resent him if you guys stayed together, you know, if he thought, well, let's just stay together because we have something good. Um, I did hear his side first, so maybe that's what I'm keeping in mind. But I do feel that what you did was not quite right as far as hoping things would change because I think it put him in an unfair situation now where although he's been consistent and been clear, in a way he's going to have to face a tough decision or even get punished in a way for that because he might have to go through a divorce. But we can't change that. Um, you know, Maybe I'll talk to him again after we, we finish to see where, where he's at. But I just wanted to hear from you to make sure, you know, I, I understood it clearly what he was was talking about, because there's not much else you guys can do if that's what you want. Um, and you're 100 percent set on that, right? Yes. Um, even before we had met, I was at a point in life where I had gone through a lot of different relationships and mm -hmm. it just hadn't panned out. And I knew the one thing I wanted was to have a child, even if it meant that I would adopt and be a single parent. I was pretty set on that before we had met. Okay, but what he explained was that when you talked to him, you made it seem that you weren't sure you wanted a kid. You were okay not having kids. Right. Then I wavered on it um, based on the discussions that we had had and all the valid points that he had about the reasons he personally didn't want to have a child and he wouldn't be fit to be a father. And um, I'm a very accommodating person, so I was taking a lot of what he said mm -hmm. into consideration, and that made me go kind of back on the fence about it. And then I was at a point where I thought, okay, well, we have something really good, and we can make this work. Maybe I didn't want a child as badly as I wanted, because now I, ha I have a marriage, which is something I wanted that I didn't have before. And then now I'm at a point where I've just gone through all these different kind of processes and reflections, and it's something that I am sure is a definite experience I want to have to, to uh, be a mother. Okay. And what were his reasons for saying he didn't want to have kids? Um, generally, just that the kind of the idea of putting someone else first, being responsible for another human being, the commitment it takes, the way it changes your life entirely. You can't mm -hmm. do what you want to do when you want to do it. Mm -hmm. um, and just not not, you know, having the patience to deal with all the different frustrations that raising a child, you know, the, everything that parenting um, encompasses uh, is just not um, conducive to his personality or the way that he interacts with the world. Okay, and being that you've been his uh, wife for three years, do you feel like, because in a different way, maybe not to the same degree, when we get married, we have some of those things happening. Of course, they're not fully dependent on us, but we do change some of your life to accommodate your partner. Do you feel like he's done that with you? 
I can't, I don't think so. I think, and it's okay for you, for a person to be selfish. I think he's a generally a selfish person, but at least he knows what he wants. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and sticks to his guns about it. Whereas for me, I, I'm not as, I'm not the same and that could cause issues because I can be so gray about different things because I'm constantly trying to consider someone else's position regardless of what it is I really want. Right. And that's part of the reason why this has been drawn out for so long. Well, I was going to say, yeah, even you took on his position more than your own when it came yeah. to this very important issue until you realized it wasn't your own. And I think with the clock ticking, as he put it, it maybe it became more that stress. You felt it and realized, wait, this is what I actually want. Well, you know, I think it's good that he knows himself and maybe he's right then because, yeah, to be a parent, we have to be ready to be very selfless and to put something else way before ourselves, especially when they're a baby. And maybe that's not something he wants to do. Now, is that possible? If he takes a look at it in therapy, he could change? Yes. But I definitely wouldn't tell you to hold your breath either because it's possible it doesn't. And maybe he doesn't want it to change. Um, But it does seem like maybe you wanted a partner that is the way he is in some ways uh, because you knew this about him and maybe you're okay with it. Overall, would you say he's, he's been a good husband to you? Do you feel good about the relationship? Overall, yes. I mean, everyone has their problems. Of course. Okay. So if it wasn't for this issue, would you want to stay in the marriage? I'm sorry? If it wasn't for the issue related to children, would you want to stay in this marriage? Um, It would be contingent upon solving it some one other really big issue for me um, having to do with family. If that's solved, then yeah, I mean, it would be salvageable, but... That's a big hurdle as well. Okay. Just from your delay, I mean, we have maybe like, uh, like, I don't know, we have like eight, nine minutes, so we might not have time to get into a whole nother issue. But, you know, there was a delay in your response about the marriage. I don't know how happy you are in the marriage itself. Um, This, by the way, you delayed your answer to if this was the only issue. Is is there more to than just the, the children thing being your reasons for wanting to exit? Yes. Okay. And have you talked to him about that? Yes. Okay. So he's aware. All right. It it might not be bad for you guys could even go in and talk, I would say, at least even for a few times with a a couple's therapist just to clear things out. And even if you decide to separate, if you ask me, um, doing that process more smoothly with a therapist, at least be part of that process, it might not be a bad idea. That, That would be my recommendation to you guys to get more clarity and then to make a decision and to make that decision more smoothly. Um, that would be what I would recommend. Absolutely. Um, and we'll follow through with that. I appreciate all your uh, feedback. Yeah. If I could talk to him again, if you don't mind. Sure. Sure, Okay. Hi. Um, so what did you think hearing, hearing us talk? What, what are your thoughts? Well, it was pretty much, everything was true other than the fact that, yeah, we we also had other problems, but other problems are solvable and they are very easy to, not easy definitely, but uh, they are doable to get over. But, uh, but this one is probably the biggest one and the most important one. And I'm just very short in a nutshell. Uh, the family issue that she talks about is me not getting along with her mother in a very perfect way. So that's, that's about it. It's not really... Okay. Uh, big deal like well i'll tell you what i just heard you know you said it's not a big deal but i think it's a big deal to her 
That's which right. which That's might right. relate to what you she was saying and you in a way were saying too that you're more focused on you than someone else. That's right. Because even That's when, right. That's when 100% true. yeah, because when we opened this conversation, the way you even started was, is this a big enough reason to end a marriage? Which again to me sounded like you were saying it from your own perspective, but not hers. Because to you again, everything is fine. Um, yeah, you guys have some issues that are workable, but if your wife wants kids, if you put yourself in her shoes, you realize that. Um, you know, there's no way she can be happy in this marriage if she wholeheartedly wants to have children. So if you put yourself in her shoes, I think you'll see that. Again, I think the communication wasn't there when it could have been. And the hoping that someone is going to change to me is a very risky and, and really unfair proposition to put someone else through because they're telling you what they want and you're telling them without telling them that I want something else for you or I'm going to try to give you or push you towards something else or hope that you change your mind. So I, I think it was unfair what you have to go through now, to be honest with you. But I also think that we can't change what's happened. And if she really 100% wants to have kids and you're 100% no, if that's really the conclusion you guys both come to, I don't think this marriage can continue. Um, but that's I the think, point that you're at yeah. Right now. But like I said to her, I would really recommend. Because it's such a big decision and it seems like you guys do love each other. Again, her delay in saying the only issue is the kids does concern me. There might be more going on. Um, and maybe, you know, again, in the context of this phone call, we wouldn't be able to address it anyway. So she didn't want to get as deeply into it. So I don't know if it's just about her mom. That's the only other issue. Because if you're saying, and she also said that you can be more self-focused, maybe that's a nicer way of saying it, uh, that could be that also she's not feeling good in the relationship over time. And that might be something for you to think about, you know. Again, uh, very shortly, all sure. this, this whole kid situation has become a bigger situation than only just the kid situation. Like it just became the source of more uh, disagreements and problems and tips and conflicts and stuff like that. So okay. it, I, I guess based on my understanding, based on my observation, it started with that, and now we are having other problems because of that, whereas it was, if it wasn't because of that, we wouldn't have had these problems to begin with. Sure. So this, this is my understanding, because okay. like the first couple of years, we... Okay, I, I think you got the you got the idea. Yeah, no, I, I mean, and that's and again, that's definitely maybe she'll say it slightly differently, and I'm not. I don't know which one's actually the truth, and it's possible. Yes, if you, if one core issue comes up that might tear you apart, then everything else becomes a bigger issue too. Or she maybe now other things that she wouldn't bring up before she will. So that's possible. But one thing I'll say to you to also think about, even from a personal level. If you can acknowledge a level of selfishness or having a hard time putting others first, that's going to cost you in your life in other ways too. So whatever happens here, I would invite you to think about really taking a look at yourself, going into deeper therapy to try to see what you can do and growing in yourself for yourself because we know that what makes us happy and makes for a meaningful life is if we're able to give to others and if we're able to think of others and put them even first in some ways. Doesn't mean we don't take care of ourselves and you should always be doing that, but it seems like that's not the issue for you. Some people have a hard time taking care of themselves. Other people have a hard time being there for other people. And it could be that that's a challenge for you. Maybe, maybe not. And I'm not saying that's going to change your mind about being a parent. I'm not trying to convince you of that. And I actually really respect that you recognize that you don't want to have a child and you're not going to put yourself and put a child in that 
situation. Too often people that don't want to have kids have them anyway because of pressure or they think it's the right thing to do. And I always ask everyone to really ask yourself deeply, do I strongly desire having kids? Not just it's the time or we're going to run out of time. You have to want it. So that part I really think is important. But I would say again, look at yourself, you know, look at what she's telling you about you as someone who's known you for five years and whatever happens there, look at maybe evaluating yourself a little more deeply as well. I really appreciate it, Doctor. You have been extremely generous with your time. I really no, no, I appreciate it. you guys. Going, this is a very big issue, and like I said, because it's so big, I hope you guys take it seriously and meet with someone at least a few times to just get some clarity. Make sure, even if it is the, the decision is to separate, to make it in the best way possible for both of you. And I'm sure you'll both also learn more about yourselves, each other, and relationships oh, we're that you can very take on. Civil about that, that, that those matters. We've been very civil about it. We have never had any any conflicts about okay. how the whole thing is going to go down. I'm not worried about how it's going to go down. I just wanted to make sure that something that, like that in that magnitude is worth changing mm-hmm. basically the course of your life. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, it, it's it, it's the biggest thing for her right now. So, That's right. Um, so again, and as always, we want to put ourselves in each other's shoes when we're trying to understand something. So really put yourself in her shoes and think about where she's coming from. She does the same. Like I said, we can talk maybe for a long time about how we got here and, and I can see how maybe some of that would make you upset, but we do have to deal with where you guys are now. And again, I wish you guys the best. Um, thanks for calling. You're very great. Thanks. Okay. Thanks guys. Have, have a great, great night. night. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank, thank you. you. All right. Thank you to our callers there. Wish them the best in whatever they do decide to do. Appreciate them sharing with us and hope I was able to be helpful to them. I'll announce again the book for this week is the cyber effect by Dr. Mary Aiken, the cyber effect an expert in cyber psychology explains how technology is shaping our children, our behavior, and our values, and what we can do about it. So far, it's been a great read. Hope you'll join me in reading that. All right. Thank you to Amir here in the studio and everyone listening out there. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. Have a wonderful night.